Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. Welcome everyone to the Ordinals Podcast. Every story has a beginning and Ordinals definitely has a beginning. Very happy to be joined today with Charlie Spears. Charlie was there early and not just early, but deeply involved with the core team and and the guys and girls really developing the software, making big decisions. And I think enough time has passed since the beginning that now Charlie and others have some perspective and context for what happened in the first few early months, but it's still fresh in his mind. And so we really appreciate uh, Charlie being here. And Charlie, so welcome to the Ordinals podcast. Glad to be here, Ragnar. I love to see all the different people doing content, insight, and building on ordinals. Nine months ago, I think this was still just a dream, something that Casey and his friends thought was a cool idea, that maybe there'd be a maybe a couple dozen more people interested in it. And now that there's hundreds of thousands of people, and uh, that I, even I, as full-time ordinals now, can barely keep up. So yeah, crazy to see this. Glad to be here. Appreciate that. And as I see it, uh, the early days uh, have a few aspects. First, there's pioneers. There's those early pioneers taking the big risks, going out on a limb. They're often sometimes semi-eccentric. I mean, to be doing weird, niche, innovative, risky things requires a certain type of personality, I think. So we can talk about pioneers. I would say uncertainty is another is another one. It's always easier to look back after something, but in the time you don't know how certain it was and often it feels very, very uncertain. Another element we can talk about is kind of early alliances and I don't wanna say enemies, but maybe opposition, just kind of some early things that people came together in a good way. We could focus on the positive. Another um, kind of aspect of a early uh, story is consequential Kwanzaa. Another aspect of early stories is consequential choices. So often early decisions lead to outcomes and consequences that sort of last for a very long time. And then two more things, a colorful character. And then two more things is colorful characters. There's often very interesting personalities in the early days of a story. And finally, history is often rewritten. So we wanna get it on record on a podcast with Charlie Spears. So Charlie, first thing, um, when did you first come across ordinals? Um, I had first seen the word ordinal, I think, in fall of 2022, because I had actually been following Casey and Aaron's podcast, Hell Money Podcast. And I had actually found uh, it because I was a little bit more interested in Aaron, because I actually, I think I saw this, weirdly enough, through TikTok or something, it it's a very unconventional way for a, for a Bitcoiner to like learn new things. Um, but I didn't really pay much attention to it until I I, I I'm a Bitcoin miner as well, so I had um, a little bit more free time in in December and January because the markets cooled off, and I I was like, oh, maybe I should pick up on this one podcast and and listen to it a bit more, and then. I saw Dennis Porto's newsletter um, on ordinals in mid-January. And that's when I hopped in the, the Discord that Casey and Raf were using to pair program. And that is how I just 
kind of jumped in and started looking at this new thing right as Casey released the Ord 0.4.0 client. And then probably two weeks later, uh, it really kind of jumped into the public consciousness with the Taproot Wizard. But it all happened so fast. And that is actually how I found out about it. Uh, I could I could probably talk way more about it, but that's like a big picture timeline. Okay, so kind of fall of 2022 podcast, Aaron Casey. Something yeah. involving TikTok is there. Aaron had a TikTok and she talked about like like off-grid lifestyles. A lot of nobody knows this, which is crazy. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. She, oh, she's on this podcast. And um that led me to Hell Money Podcast, which I thought was a really interesting. I really like people who have um novel ways of viewing and talking about Bitcoin. And that is Casey. Casey is a person who thinks very differently. And you know, if you've been in Bitcoin as long as I have, you I I, I hunger after novel perspectives. And this is the most one of the most novel perspectives. And that's why I really like it. Um, it took me a little while to wrap my head around. But once I wrap my head around, um, I realized this is something I'm, I'm fine committing full time to. And here we are today. So the dates for you, again, that was fall 2022. And then January when you jumped in to, to the Discord. <laughs> And got involved yeah, there. and so for the I'd really, I really hadn't looked at ordinals until January. I'd seen it and I'd seen the word, but I really only kind of started looking at it and reading through Casey's blog and um, description of what it is and how it works. Only in like right after uh, hopping in the Discord, now called the Ordicord, and that is where I had a crash course on it. Only a couple weeks before everybody else. But it's kind of, it's a constant learning thing. I mean, I think even now, six to nine, you know, six to seven months out, I'm still learning a lot of the core parts of it uh, and how how the org client works. But then really by extension, a lot of just how Bitcoin core and Bitcoin itself works. I think a lot of people don't understand that to understand ordinals and to really understand like where like the things that, you know, that explores about Bitcoin are unconventional ways of viewing Bitcoin, which means we have to learn, a lot of us have to get better at really understanding how Bitcoin itself works. That's what gets me so excited. Um, been in this space many years, I'm still learning things about how Bitcoin itself works. I love hearing that, it's, it's so refreshing. And Ordinals has done that to a lot of us, it's kind of reinvigorated what we're learning and relearning the basics uh, that we might've forgotten. And so for you, I mean, that's, it is pretty niche. And Aaron and Casey's podcast was niche. Dennis Porto is his own flavor of things, right? He has a strong voice and, and strong opinions. So for you, I mean, what is your background that this was in kind of your even sphere of things? I know you said you've been in Bitcoin for a while, mining side, but, but kind of tell the audience briefly kind of where you were, where you would even be in a place to even come across this kind of niche content and ideas. Yeah. I've been in Bitcoin for a really long time. Um, it's a little over a decade now, actually. Um, and I, my wife and I run a Bitcoin meetup here in Oklahoma. About half a decade ago, after the block size war, which is a very difficult time to be a dumb young Bitcoiner, um, I began to really wrap my head around Bitcoin mining. And I started a Bitcoin mining company. My partners and I are from the oil and gas industry. So we started working to deploy Bitcoin mines on natural gas wells 
in here in Oklahoma to varying degrees of success. Um, so we've done a bit of that. The comp that partnership and company's name is Nakamoto. And uh, so I've always been fascinated by the business of block production. And this, and, and just, I also have a healthy appreciation for um, Bitcoin narrative and how new ideas come into Bitcoin and how I can um, break existing mental models that I have about Bitcoin. So I'm constantly searching for new things. I like to begin from the perspective that I'm probably wrong about everything. So I need to go learn more about it. And so through that and that kind of mindset and this interest in the business of how Bitcoin blocks are produced, I got interested in ordinals because it has deep implications for how, uh, you know, for the for data on Bitcoin, for information, um, as Casey's purpose was for art. And so I think um, just natural curiosity. And then also the kind of weird other X factor is I, my wife and I haven't texted in many years. We only use Discord and Slack. So I'm like Discord native. So it happened to be that uh, as this, we is kind of, it, I've been hoping that Bitcoiners would move from Telegram to Discord. And uh, it just so happened that because of the nature of the platform that Casey was on, I happened to be well positioned to already understand, like, and be and already just be native to this platform. As as twenty thousand people flooded into this order cord, I found that I was like, oh, I'm like the only person who understands how this works, and I have some free time. Uh, and uh, so, I, you know, over the over the past spring, I realized that I. Um, I would like to try to figure out how I can build in this business long term. And that's why I, I'm now with Luxor on the ordinal side of that business. So yeah, that's, that's how I, that's kind of the mindset where I came from and how I got here. So in summary, kind of your background and, and what led you to this was obviously being in Bitcoin for a long time and then mining and then good old discord. So yeah. you and I, we're not developers, but I think we're technical enough to understand things. You probably more than me as owning, you know, a mining company and doing mining mm -hmm. type of things. Um, but that's, that's interesting. So let's, let's start then in January. Yeah. You're, there's, let's go through the cast of characters. There's Casey, there's Raph, yeah. Raphael, mm -hmm. and, then, and then who else is, is there? Well, there were many people and um, Ordinali is one of the more notable ones, Ordinali very ordinarily on Twitter. He's one of the core folks leading the, the dev side of the Ordinal's repo today. There's actually a number of people, and I need to be cautious because um, not all of them, I understand, want to be uh, closely uh, or formally associated. Because really, Casey had been proselytizing or talking about Ordinal theory for the previous year. And he'd kind of assembled a group of friends who got it, who were technically minded, who are enthusiastic about this idea into kind of a recurring like stand-up hangout session as as he and Raf and uh, various people who had worked on the development side kind of actively built this on this idea with really not much like long-term plan for or long, like long-term concrete plan for here's how we're going to go to market or anything. It would really truly is an open protocol at its core. And so there were various people, Raf and Ordinali, Casey's had worked with um, Liam in the previous fall. Uh, he speaks very highly of Liam as a developer. Um, there uh, are other people who've been on Casey's podcast. Um, uh, Isabel, 
uh, who for a while uh, was Casey's kind of marketing publicity person. Um, I need to be. Yeah, it's thoughtful. okay. I mean, there's if if you look on the order court and you see who has the team role, that would be a good indicator of like various folks who are close friends with Casey, and that's kind of like a a short list of people who uh, were interested very early on. Yeah, that works. And you know, uh, there's a lot of people who like to protect their privacy or who yeah. just aren't people who are want to be social that much and just want to do the work. Right. And so anything, yeah. you know, so Charlie's only going to share what he's comfortable with. He keeps really good confidences. So oh, we're always erring on the side of, uh, of privacy and deference. Um, and so we'll only discuss things that I think everyone's comfortable with, with yeah. knowing. Um, but good insights. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have, um, who work on under pseudonyms, who this is a night, this has been a nights and weekends thing. And that's kind of the story here. This is a bunch of people kind of capturing Casey's idea, like myself. I'm one of the few people who's like fully doxxed and like, at least early on, like fully associated with like, I'm going to help try to manage the community side of this. But there's a lot of people. And um, maybe over the years, as Ordinals continues on, um, we'll have more clarity or public, uh, you know, commentary on here's some cool ideas that these people shared early on but it's just so cool i feel like almost like an insider from like the early bitcoin days as bitcoin core is being developed because it's you know it's delicate the path dependency of this open protocol and we see this today like it um there was a period where if you know it, it was no it's been no secret that casey really has not been super public the past few months uh, deciding to work mainly on just communication through the the github the Ordinals GitHub, where she's appointed RAF as maintainer of. And we can see that um, it's, you know, the same the same mind that comes up with this crazy out from left field idea of Ordinals may not be the same person who leads like a giant, um, you know, open source protocol movement. These are different sides of the brain. I like to say Casey is more of a creative than he is a developer, but he is one of the sharpest developers. So, um, you know, I, I think about like, you know, in, in another universe, there may be a more closed source ordinals protocol. And I'm really glad I live in this one where uh, it's open and free to everybody. Good, good comments. So going back to a lot of people don't know that, yeah, this is being developed for a while that, that Casey didn't, it just didn't spring up out of nowhere in December. He'd been working on this for quite a while, been sharing it with some people informally, kind of a small but open group, it sounds like from my understanding. And I've been following Casey, I don't know, a couple of years. He's been following me on Twitter. He likes that I like guns, I think. I don't know where he stands on guns, but he likes that I like guns for some he reason. He likes you, so okay. therefore, yeah. Good enough. Yeah. So we've been following each other and uh, he, he had messaged me about it. And then I actually pitched him on Trajan, which is my startup, having him join as CTO. Obviously, he didn't do that. Um, I'm glad he didn't. And, uh, but in December of last year, 2022, he messaged me and said, Hey, you know, ordinals is, is on its way now and you should use this for Trajan. And he gave me a brief summary, but that was it. Like I wasn't as smart as other people where I, I got it and I believed in it, but I did understand that Casey was smart. He was out of the box thinker. So I knew something might've been there, but for me, I just, I couldn't see the applicability. It seemed like it was just sort of a nerd experiment, like numbers, like I'm so bad at math. It's my worst subject in college. My only like C plus I've ever had in school was in math. Um, and so for me, I didn't quite grasp 
that part. But obviously in January is where I really started to see it coming. So going back to January of 2023 of this year, you were a Discord expert. You came across it in Discord with Casey yeah. and Raf. And then what happened? You were reading about it. And then when did you become kind of an admin or when did they say, hey, you look like you're a glutton for punishment. How would you like to help run this this monster? Um, yeah, so uh, I was kind of a I would almost say like emergency appointed <laughs> admin <laughs> because um, nobody who had the the uh, kind of agency or time or familiarity with discord. And I happened to uh, give, you know, I was like, I'm, I don't really have anything to do during February. Um, I'm fine taking over this responsibility. Um, but it was a bit under duress because there were like a couple dozen people on this discord and maybe five or six of us would be talking about ordinals. And then that went from a couple dozen to thousands in a matter of two weeks and they, everybody had the same question. And so, uh, I was just, it was just kind of like, Charlie, you seem like a reliable guy. And um, so they made me admin and I kind of took a lead on that. And um, not many of the other people associated were super active in kind of what I would just call it community education and maintenance. They're more focused on trying to keep the wheels in the bus of the protocol itself. And so I found myself as unofficial uh, kind of liaison and community guide and it and it just gets me really excited because uh, I have always found the culture of NFTs fascinating. Um, I'm I'm different than your average your mainstream hardcore Bitcoiner on that, and then I thought these are really cool. I've had a love for the community aspect of it, and for me to see that come to Bitcoin with all of its benefits and problems gets me excited. Um, so um, I quickly tapped a handful of people, um, some anonymous just totally um, by intuition and some people that I know personally, my wife and Cypher particularly, but then I had, uh, asked Paz and Post Capone and Satoshi to all help administrate the server or moderate the server. And um, just kind of through that, it began a, uh, a month or two of nonstop, literally 24 seven community education. It was a period uh it felt like the early days of early days of Bitcoin, really, as everyone's throwing new ideas out there and having really invigorating novel discussions about the future of Bitcoin. And uh, that's I kind of found myself kind of like the ringleader of this crazy circus. I made a couple of YouTube videos because I was like, oh, I mean, these folks aren't going to read um, as they should. They're not going to read the documentation. They're. <laughs> These uh, the NFT folks are much more visual and audio uh, oriented. They're not um, reading uh, or long form written learners. Um, so I was like, okay, I mean, I'll just make a couple of YouTube videos. There are much better YouTube videos out there now, but at least I was like, I'll just be the first out the gate. And it meant that I fielded most of the inbound inquiry early on. I'm glad to redirect most of that to smarter people as the questions get more sophisticated and technical now. Um, but I lean on smart people like Satoshi, Post, um, Cypher. And then internally at Luxor, I lean on, we have a really good uh, dev team and, uh, you know, kind of founded, uh, led by our um, very technical founder, uh, Nick. So mm -hmm. 
like that this is where uh i sometimes i i'm gonna i haven't really had a chance to reflect how i got here um because every single day i just respond to the you know innumerable like fires that i have to put out but um yeah, yeah, that's how the early days looked. <laughs> I I like it. So let's let's stay on that that vein of January in Discord. So there's mm -hmm. Discord, public Discord, where people are commenting and everyone can see um, what's going on. And there's of course the behind the scenes, behind the Discord, behind Orticord. And so with without uh, you know hurting any confidences or sharing any information that no one would ever want to share. Maybe we can talk about what you can share about like behind the scenes, what it was like. Yeah. I imagine it was busy, but what can you share just kind of behind the scenes when you guys are trading DMs about this and that? Anything you, you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. So um, a lot because there was not like this, this uh, coherent, like go to market strategy. Um, it began, it was uh, a lot of uh, the kind of close friends or extended community around Casey who had been actively involved in this for, for, for months, even before me, specifically Raf and Ordinali and Aaron, and uh, who are to this day, like I would call the core ordinals team. Um, and us and various other people would have like daily standups where we would talk about what happened because every 24 hours, there were innumerable new things, which, which had happened. And um, so uh because i think a lot of people don't realize that like while when casey launched the the ord client 0.4.0 it was ready to go but like there were so many things which have yet to be developed like even stuff that we're only just getting to today like documentation parent child um reinscription recursion these are things which uh had been delayed because we had you know casey and the team had to respond to tons of media inquiry, um, community education. So yeah, January and February, we would have daily standups. We'd be in constant communication, debugging, trying to figure out if this one issue that this person encountered broke everything. Uh, this was a regular occurrence. It'd be like, oh shit, like this one person did a non-standard transaction. What does this mean? Did the client break? Did it not? Thankfully, uh, I'm, and I'm kind of surprised the wheels stayed very, very much on the bus, um, even through today. And what so, do you attribute that to? Because all the chaos, the pressure of the media, the pressure of people's, yeah. you know, oh, this is an emergency because of my transaction. And then mm -hmm. just trying to like develop the basic protocol. I mean, what, yeah. what, I think that? it, I think it speaks to Casey and, uh, the various people who helped develop the, the client itself. Um, Casey has a very deep understanding of how Bitcoin core works. Um, he really, under, he, this is, as Cypher says, a love letter of Casey's to Bitcoin. So this um, was done from a Bitcoiner mindset. And so when you do that and you take time to make sure that you're not just releasing something willy-nilly out into the wild, um, Casey had thought of many of the edge cases and um, he and Raf and Liam and Ordinali and the various other people who had touched the code itself um, are very smart technical folks. And so they built the Ord client very well. Now, uh, it's been vastly improved since then, and various people have forked it, and we run our and indexers. And, you know, at Lux, we built our own indexer, which our own client, which basically is the same thing as Gord, but it's our own. Like, 
Um, but early on, it, that that client and the kind of way of maintaining that client was very much stress tested, and it succeeded. Um, it really is. Uh, it really speaks to the previous year's worth of development that Casey and the folks who were uh, closely associated with them spent putting uh, time and development effort into it. So and, despite the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really why it's not because of anything we did post um, release. It really is because of everything that was done pre release when ordinals was not a main narrative uh, before I had joined, I simply kind of joined to help shepherd this into the broader public eye. Okay. Okay, so so despite the pressure, despite the varying interest, despite the uh, chaos of discord and, and early days, it, it the buses stayed on the excuse me, the wheels stayed on the bus, as you said, yeah. because client because Casey and the team had designed the client well, thought thoughtful, good developers, tested it, knew what they were doing as much as you can on something like this. So it was just they were just a good group of developers who who did a good job with the software yeah. and and if it wasn't they laid a good foundation and and software is never finished right and so that's never very finished, interesting yeah. so that's on the software side that that you know ordinals didn't completely break it's had some hiccups but it didn't completely fall apart and 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 so that's kind of on the coding side now on the social side i'm curious how things happen there anything you could share is or not share but full confidence is here um, what can you share like on the social side of, of how staying positive, um, what allowed people to work together under such extreme circumstances? Because I've been under extreme circumstances and it is very, very hard, especially when you're torn in 10 different ways. Yeah, I think it was, um, it was kind of an accident and very fortuitous. A lot of us who were involved very early happened to have a lot of free time in the months of January, February, and March. And um, we, many of us happened to be in similar life situations. This will get a little personal, but like me and Cypher and I, and other people like Paz or Post Capone or Satoshi, a lot of the people who ha are very active on the, the order cord, um, we were kind of looking for something at the time. If, if a lot of people forget that like December and January were the darkest, like deepest depths of a bear market, it was a sentiment low. Um, I've been through several bear markets now and they all suck, but like this one particularly sucked. And um, during these periods, I mean, a lot of Bitcoiners like to say, oh, it's time to build, oh, stack stats and stay humble, which is true. But like the reality is that it, even if you have DCA'd for a long time, uh, and you and you have and you're familiar with this, you know, this, you know, uh, cyclical part of Bitcoin, it is still hard. And so a lot of us found ourselves sitting on our hands looking for something to be excited about. And that is why so many of us had time to volunteer above and beyond even simply a demanding job. And that's where a lot of the community uh, leaders who are now even now have like full-time professional jobs in the space. Um, that's where a lot of us just found that we got our energy. And my view is that um, from a community management and shepherding standpoint, uh, the most important thing is that you want to do it. And um, then all the other, all the other problems can usually be addressed. Um, 
And so when you have the wind at your back, as you do with endless community interest, um, it gives me life to help people set up Bitcoin full nodes. Um, and that is like what we are doing every single day. Um, there were days when um, I would, when me and Cypher and Post and, and Satoshi would help more people install a full node and run a full node that day than I had in my entire career as a Bitcoiner. And like that kind of thing uh, means that lack of sleep, um, you know, stretched sanity, those things become more tolerable. And, uh, and uh, that's why, uh, yeah. And then with Casey, the thing is like, Casey is an uncompromising Bitcoiner. And so we, it's very clear that he has a particular vision and, want, and thing that he wants to communicate. And with that kind of knowledge, the rest of us, even uh, those of us who don't talk directly to Casey, I mean, I, Casey only talks to a handful of people, really. Um, those of us who like, like, uh, like post Capone, right? He does not, uh, he's not uh, on the uh, direct like line to Casey, but he can see how Casey communicates publicly um, and, and understand how, how he should communicate about the protocol. And when you have a clear direction and a clear focus from the guy who started it all, everyone else can kind of fall in line and figure out, well, here's how we respond to a bad actor, or here's how we treat um, uh, blockchains that are not Bitcoin. Here's how we treat bad actors in the space. Um, because there's a lot of bad actors. The thing is, even in the first couple of weeks, you know, there are people seeking to sabotage or co-opt parts of this narrative. People looking for a quick buck and a quick flip. And um, the thing is, if you is is if you were there early, if you were there um, in the first week of January or last week of January, February, you weren't there in order to make money. You were there because you were interested in the protocol. And so that lift carried a lot of us through this period of like having to navigate some very challenging social situations where there are people coming in trying to scam people or impersonate um, people or like muddy the waters. Um, one of the things is that Bitcoin has uh, made certain design decisions with regards to like block size increase. And one of the big narratives early on was, oh, uh, there are other blockchains which have done different things, forks of Bitcoin. And uh, people from those other blockchains say, man, we could make inscriptions so much better if we, uh, if we just increase the block size. And um, you could do that. You can try to fork Bitcoin. But a lot of us are like, you have done that. You have, you have forked Bitcoin. And um, if you want to go build on that thesis, you should go to that other chain and continue that. It, we believe the market has clearly um, determined that the design decisions that Bitcoin has made as a network are the correct ones. And so uh, it really helps to have um, like even broad cohesion um, about these things. And this really speaks to the strength of the Bitcoin narrative and network. Even when a lot of the hardcore Bitcoiners were very critical of ordinals, I think those of us who love Bitcoin can still identify and sift through which of the main like components of Bitcoin's nature are worth preserving and um, still feel aligned with this network that we love. Well, you covered a lot of ground there. So I want to go back and hit a few of those points specifically. So first summary, and then we'll dive back into it. So the first thing you talked about was the opportunity and the fact that a lot of people had some free time. They just simply yeah. had some free time 
and we can talk about that. The other one was the bear market. And so it was in a bear market where people also had free time and maybe the eyes were off. The other thing you pointed out was, was Casey just being kind of a strong personality with a clear vision. He kind of set up tone where like, Hey, this is sort of how we do things. Uh, you could argue or for and against, but there was a clear sort of path that this is sort of what this is and how we do this. And then finally you hit upon kind of the block size and some early challenges that you face without, you know, getting too in the muck of it and trying to stay positive, but there was that, uh, kind of that issue and kind of people from that side of things. So let's start from the first one then free time. So I like what you said, like, oh, these bear markets are the time to build. And I'm like you, I've been through the bear markets. I thought 2014 was a painful one, but this one felt bad. And I think it was because it was everything happening at once, FTX blow up. And you just go down the line, the banking crisis. And it's just like one thing after another. It wasn't just a typical hype cycle. This was like real existential stuff I felt like. And I, I, yeah, I, I have some free time as well. Um, and, and so it was interesting that it actually took a bear market probably to really allow a few people to have the time to do this. Cause if we were, if it was a raging bull market, everyone's busy, who wants to do this thing, whatever. So it was actually, actually one of those examples where the bear market helped create ordinals. So that's, that's the one thing I want to make sure everyone understands. And also just on a personal side, Charlie, like when I hear people say, oh, build in the bear market, those are VCs who aren't cutting checks. Yeah. And so it's easy for people to say that, right? When you're not, when you're not cutting any checks, but telling people to do the work. And yeah. also I want to hit on that too, that you guys, you guys weren't paid. I mean, you guys had some free time in your life for whatever reason, and you're doing all this hard work and people are demanding, why aren't you guys doing this? How did that feel to be in that moment of you're like, Hey, I'm not getting paid for this crap. Like, yeah. How'd you deal with that? What, what did other people feel? Did you guys talk about that? No, I don't think anyone really wanted to be paid at, at the beginning. Casey had offered it. And uh, my wife did from April through May act as like a paid community moder uh, discord moderator. And for a couple weeks in March, I also got compensated because I was like, I need to devote full time to this and I need to take away from other business activity. But like, Almost every single person is entirely uncompensated at doing more than like a full-time job of work. Um, and hard and, work too, what you guys were doing. It wasn't yeah. just fun, fun stuff. And I wonder what the pressure was like for you guys yeah. doing that and dealing and, with and demands. Yeah, it's like, I think, yeah, you, you say that the, it's the VCs or people who don't have to, it's often people who don't have to actually build who say build in a bear market. And um because I, I want to say like, yeah, it, it's, it was a sentiment low. Um, I thought we were past all this in, in November and December and January. I was like, finally, um, maybe perhaps institutional corruption doesn't extend all the way down. Um, but like, I think we certainly explored new levels of like, uh, you know, uh, being uh, disenfranchised or disillusioned with the way uh, a lot of people in uh, supposedly respectable positions conduct themselves. So, yeah, like, um, it at capital's hard to access. So, like, we couldn't build new mines. That's where I was. We'd build a bunch of mines. They're going great. But, like, new stuff was pretty much at a standstill. Um, I think this was the case across the space. Um, it take you know, you can only work for free for so long, and it takes money to go 
work for stuff. And then as the bear market come, draws down, um, money and available time to deploy to that becomes very tight. And so, um, like, uh, Cypher would talk about this. He worked for um, a, a, a kind of a GameFi company that on a different blockchain. And he had actually left that because he didn't agree with a lot of the principles um, of that. And I think a lot of people were like me and Cypher, where we're like, we, we, we don't have a lot. We either aren't enthusiastic about what we were doing or we're, our hands are tied because we can't put some of the pieces together for the things that we want to do. And then here comes along this new fresh idea. And um, our existing skill sets, our existing knowledge about Bitcoin and our passion for open source projects aligns very well. And you have a giant new cohort, thousands of people coming in who know nothing about Bitcoin and they're hungry for it. And you're there having spent years studying this blockchain that we call Bitcoin and you can educate people. I've run a Bitcoin meetup for half a decade now. And um, it, you know, there's a certain way of communicating about it and kind of in-person community building, but uh, it's not scalable beyond like, you know, your personality in a room. The world of online education is pretty much infinitely scalable. You make a YouTube video and instead of reaching, you know, 50 people in a room that you have to like shake hands and like spend time with, you can like put that on the internet and that gets tens of thousands of people watching it. And that, and so it's like a very different kind of asymmetric way of education. Now, when it comes to like handholding and walking people through like um, technical challenges of running Bitcoin Core, of installing Ord, then it gets like to that person like time um, demanding time sync thing. But like, it's just so cool when um, everyone around you, a lot of people, you know, I, I think back to when, when Satoshi launched Bitcoin, that was in the depths of the financial crisis. Um, you see a lot of the best ideas come at sentiment lows. Um, it really is kind of this Phoenix rising from the ashes story. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know if in two or to 10 years we'll be talking about ordinals. I think we will, but um, it, you know, these down markets and disillusionment peak despair is also peak opportunity. I like that. I like that a lot. Peak, peak despair is peak opportunity. So to the listeners, to, I, I want to like reemphasize this, that you guys were doing a lot of the hard work, still doing hard work, but at the time, a lot of were just unpaid, uh, taking a break from the business, taking a break from a job, whatever it might be, yet still doing this hard work. And I think people should kind of remember that when they're thinking about these things. And the other thing uh, I, I think is how different people came together. Right. So you, you have a set of skills. Cypher has a set of skills. Casey has a set. Your wife has a set of skills, right? Aaron has a set of skills. Yeah. Raph has a, so these kind of ragtag group of people who just love, love, love Bitcoin. That's what I would say. You guys just love Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin. Sort of it's just the passion, I think, pushed you through January, February, and even to this day, right? This passion for Bitcoin, this passion for teaching, this passion for ordinals. And that cannot be replicated from a top-down, closed-source corporate company, even a startup where there's often really positive energy. I mean, this was an open-source thing, and and but still that passion is what I think drove you guys and love of Bitcoin. And, and same with me. I love Bitcoin, but boy, the last couple of years, it was like 
I don't know, seven year itch marriage, but with Bitcoin, I was just yeah. kind of like, and I got into stocks and I love stocks, but it's so great to see things come to Bitcoin. Um, I wanted to ask you about, um, and this is a fun topic is money. And again, we're always sharing what we can share publicly and not, but people saw a lot of money to be made. People yeah. saw NFTs and Ethereum and boy was that, I never got an Ethereum NFTs ever, never, just was never part of any other blocking besides Bitcoin and then later Monero and then later stacks. Um, so what was your opinion or what can you share about kind of seeing people who saw, hey, this is a great financial opportunity, which is good, right? Because that brings development dollars, that brings users, that brings new resources, that brings lots of good things. But from a perspective of like working long hours for free out of passion and people who are using the code, your guys' hard work to make big dollars, honestly, dishonestly, depending on who it was, how did that feel? How did that feel to the rest of the team? Whatever you, you can share. Yeah, there were a few early actors who I would, uh, who I have spoken about negatively. Um, and some of them have changed their behavior and some have not. Um, I applaud people who uh, take criticism well. And I uh, have, you know, I still have strong words for people who I think are extractive and not good actors. Um, but, you know, this is the way I think this becomes kind of a psychological thing because this is always, if you look at this, like this is how Bitcoin's always been. You have uh, very selfless Bitcoin core developers who work for pennies and you have very selfless protocol engineers, even on other blockchains who are just excited about building stuff. And the and there's not always a lot of uh, reward for a selfless selfless building and brilliance. And I think you just have to be okay with the reality that this is going to happen. I think that we should learn though to um, be able to take our pound of flesh sometimes. And um, you can be patient and humble with how you do that. But also eventually you do have to like learn through trial and error that people are going to people are going to swarm in and they're going to suck all the air out of the room and they're going to like and they're going to build businesses which are mis misaligned. And I think you just have to be okay and content with the fact that, well, I'm not in this for money, but I would like to provide for myself and my family. So I'm going to learn um, how to um, get that carrot on the end of the stick sometimes. And in my case, um, I, I have managed to marry my uh, enthusiasm for Bitcoin with uh, uh, Luxor, where I think this hits a bunch of like really broad competencies and it's a company that i'm really aligned with that i love but like yeah um i i think that it's nothing new i uh i think if you want to be in this business for more than one cycle you're gonna find that quick and dirty extractive business models do not sustain you can make a quick buck but it's probably going to come at the cost of, say, social acceptance and reputation. And I just have strong confidence that, um, you know, I'm not going to be perfect. But if I can be principled in how I act and learn from my mistakes, um, that I can have a multi-decade career in Bitcoin. And I think a lot of us can learn from that. And I think I can, um, with patience, prudence and, um, and principles, I can... Uh, me and my wife can uh, figure out how to make money 
and do what we love. Sometimes they don't law line perfectly, but they, you know, on the long, on the long timeline, they really have, I've been able to do business that I think also, uh, um, drives the dreams that I have. I, I appreciate that. And so part of it is just accepting the fact that people are opportunists and extractive. Yeah. I think that is the great word, Charlie is extractive. And that's just the reality and same thing in Bitcoin, right? You've, you've seen it come and go. And that's one reason why I'm so passionate about trading because reputation to me matters so much. And I've made many mistakes and I've made good decisions too. And over the years, I, I just have come to admire people who have built a good reputation and I see how far that's taken them. And then I've seen how good reputations are ruined, right? We saw FTX that ruined forever a lot of, you know, reputations. And some of that, some of those people are never coming back and some I, I hope, I hope do. And so that's why to me, like these early days, why I like talking about this with you is it really shows reputation and, and, and the people who were there in the, in the first few months doing all this work under pressure, which you guys were, and still to this day, but especially the first few months, I think that has cemented a reputation that despite mistakes, a lot of people will still make. I mean, you're, you're imperfect, Casey's imperfect. You cannot deny the reputation that was laid down in those early months. And so even though we talk about ordinals being data forever on the blockchain, well, I think so, so too for this, this history and the story of the early days, and that can never be, be denied. Right. And so that's why I love have, talking about the subject with you and these, in these people that you've worked with. Yeah, I strongly agree. The, I think about like why I do anything and it's, uh, and I, if I were in Bitcoin only for monetary gain, I would have given up a long time ago. Um, often the enthusiasm of just, just being well aligned with Bitcoin does historically produce wealth. Um, but you can't, you can't only see the carrot. You can, cause it's not easy. You don't, you don't sustain through these, these sentiment bottoms as we did this past winter without having something else there that drives you. And so, um, and in those times, it really is like the, it's like the crypto refrain that we're all going to make it and, or it's the friends you make along the way. Like that is pretty true. Like the, those, those Bitcoin meetups in Oklahoma that we run, like those December, January, February meetups are some of the most visceral, like, and encouraging ones because I'm like, cause we're all there. We're still showing up. And maybe we drank uh, a few too many beers at the top and we're, then, we're drinking just as many, few too many beers at the bottom. And, but that's like, that's what gets me, uh, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is um, doing, building this crazy blockchain alongside other people. And um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I've put on a couple of meetups myself and then seeing the attendance go up and down is always a fun one. Um, I, I want to talk about kind of, uh, helping core devs and because you hit on something that i believe in too which is, is a lot of times it's the smartest people doing the hardest work getting paid the least and when you hear about how a lot of these core how much money the core devs make it's it's shocking often very shocking and, and it's often shocking that they can't even raise some some money um so your experience with this team and then just being in bitcoin for a long time if someone loves ordinals what can they do to help you know, the people working at the core protocol level. Yeah, this is still very early and emergent. And the way it's going to look, I think, is going to evolve over the coming months and year or two. 
Um, but a pretty easy one is uh, you can donate to the Ordinal's core team. That goes to a multi-sig that Ordinally, Raff, Aaron, and Casey control. I think they do. I think they're good stewards of that money. I strongly endorse that personally. But and I where's think that? Sorry, Charlie, that's where is on that docs.ordinals.com. You can see the donation link. Okay. Um, I think they'll be good stewards and they'll put that money to good use. Um, I think there are also other people, um, private and non and and public, or private and uh, not for profit groups. Um, so I think uh, it's good to be prudent and research who is building what. And um, so Lux is a private company, but we're trying to build products and tooling that is in the best interest of the ecosystem. Um, so uh, as the protocol develops and is, and is trying to figure out, well, what does, say, parent-child provenance look like? What does reinscription look like? These are like, these are like protocol decisions where people will not have the same view. And what matters right now is that we have good um, processes for discussing these. I think this is the next kind of challenge that we as a community face. Um, so how, how do we, uh, where do we, where do we have these conversations? How do we uh, encourage good actors to participate those in those conversations? How do we um, reduce the bad actors sucking all the air out of the room? Um, luckily, the space is small enough from a protocol and technical level that um, most everybody knows each other and has a good like familial relationship. Um, and a lot of us will will uh, will talk um, specifically about who we do and uh, who who we do like. And so the mutual respect. I would encourage anybody listening to this who wonders like who is Charlie talking about. I would go listen to. Uh, I, I mean, I will talk to people on Twitter. I'll be on Twitter Spaces. I'll be on podcasts. And I say I really like Raph. I really like Ordinali. I really like Casey. I really like my uh, coworker Cypher. Um, but there's a bunch of other people. Um, and so uh, you can kind of build a trust network uh, in your head of like who talks to who, who endorses whom. But we're going to have to figure out how um, we go forward. Cypher did a interesting talk that I have pinned or that I have linked somewhere on my Twitter profile about, um, it was at Bitcoin Plus Plus in Austin, about like an ordinals improvement protocol process or an OIP process, kind of like a Bitcoin improvement proposal um, process. I think this is something like that is going to be important to figure out how to develop. And so um, it uh, we're just going to have to figure out how this goes. Um, I don't know the best way to do this, but I think if people are talking about it and talking about it in good faith, we have the luxury. We have a period where there's still not as much on the line as there could be and it's still open enough and relationships are still um strong and um, professional enough that we can have um, some foundational positive discussions on this type of thing. Yeah, that, that's good. And I'm glad that you came to the Ordinal 2023 conference. You were a panelist, obviously, Cypher, your buddy Cypher. We missed Postcopone, couldn't make it. Um, and then, of course, Aaron moderated the panel. And then we had our hackathon, which you guys really helped out. So I, I, I'm sorry I didn't thank you earlier in the show for, for doing that. That was a big thing. And that's one reason why we put together the conference was for this to, to, to forge bonds of friendship, to let people meet face to face. There was one or two people there that I had been that we had blocked each other on Twitter for years and over some very acrimonious reasons, like not just some usual Twitter drama, but like some real solid reasons. And yet I was able to speak to one or two of those people and that really helped out. So I think 
and, and you appreciate this because you've been running a meetup for a long time in Oklahoma. And so I've, again, put on conferences, I've seen the power of people meeting in person, looking each other in the eye, talking, grabbing a beer. And so I think, I hope there's more meetups, I hope there's more conferences. I think that really helps grease the wheels a lot of times and kind of helps reduce the social friction, increase the bonds. And so that's something I'm dedicating myself to, and I'm glad you're doing, continuing doing your meetup uh, with, with the rest of the team. Um, I strongly agree. The, all of the, a lot of the ideologies that we differ on um, can be smoothed over or maybe not resolved, but um, improved or forward movement on can be discovered in the in-person relational conference. Uh, and and uh, it's harder to look somebody, somebody in the eye and like actually dis and actually hate them than it is to look somebody in their profile picture and and disagree. Absolutely. And I think people should keep that in mind um, that there's real people behind all this. And one side, side comment I would say to help the developers is they actually do welcome comments on GitHub. Uh, me as, as an entrepreneur, I've commented on several GitHub issues. Casey's responded, a few other people responded. And I think they do appreciate people like saying, hey, I tested this and it didn't work or it worked. Or what about this feature or me as a non-technical person? This is how I see it. So that's another way we can help the developers is to actually get in the GitHub, comment on things, see what we can do. Cause that's, that's where it all happens. So we shouldn't underestimate that as well. Yeah. The GitHub is the official place to have these discussions. The order cord is the, it's about as official as you can get while not really being the official one. Um, we discovered that as many of us have full-time gigs doing other things, the order cord kind of lives as this ongoing conversation and the official discussion on the protocol happens on GitHub. So that's, that's the, that's where these different platforms stand right now. Yeah. So I, I urge people to go get in the actual GitHub, get in the actual order cord discord and have the conversations there, try to be productive there. Uh, before we close, I want to talk about Luxor. So tell me about that so you're working away you're working in the mining industry you have background did you know nick before how did tell people what luxor is what you're doing there and how that came together and when that came together uh, luxor is a bitcoin mining services company kind of everything in addition to running a pool um i'd actually known uh some of the kind of luxor co-founders early on when they were just a small team of a handful and uh so I'd watched them build this company for a while. I was a fan of their research side, their ASIC trading desk. Now I'm associated with the company. I get to like see inside and get excited for the products we're building. But um, Luxor uh, tends to innovate. It's a small, lean um, uh, company who builds new business verticals in the mining industry. Um, and very well respected, which is uh, quite an achievement uh, over several cycles. So I, uh, I didn't know Nick super well. We'd seen each other at conferences, and then we found ourselves uh, talking a lot about just uh, inscriptions and ordinals early on. And through mutual interest, uh, as he uh, made a very public signal that Luxor wanted to, to like engage with the space. I saw this as an opportunity to work with and align myself um, with a company that I had my head wrapped around more. I knew some of the people. As, this, as a side project, I had helped uh, Jameson build 
uh, Ordinal Hub. So then Jameson took uh, a full-time gig with, with Luxor. He leads that. And I maintained kind of in stealth mode maintenance of this. And now I'm officially on board as well with uh, Cypher. And so um, I view Luxor's core competencies as varied across the whole space because Ordinals doesn't just happen to be art on Bitcoin. It's rather opening Pandora's box for new things happening in Bitcoin block space. And I like being aligned with a company that can innovate on this idea. So it's not super clear in my view how it will play out. But I think it's pretty clear that we can execute on the future in the space. Um, and that's what I get excited about. I feel like it's 2017 and it's post block size war. And I'm just getting into like wrapping my head around what Bitcoin mining is. And I'm like, I want to go into the business of Bitcoin mining. And I feel like that today where I'm like, I'm wrapping my head around some of these ideas of Bitcoin block space. I want to be in this business. I want to go um, build on this idea. And so that's where I fit in with Luxor. Um, Luxor, again, uh, you want to buy an ASIC, if you want to use a pool, if you want to look at market research, if you are a Bitcoin miner and need consultation, business development, we we hit all those. And um, oh, firmware. I actually spent the, uh, the reason I was a little bit late for this podcast is because I was helping one of the Luxor firmware guys install firmware on sites all across Oklahoma. So this is, you know, this hits all the things I'm interested in. And uh, yeah, so it's, well, congratulations. it's, it's wide blue ocean. Congratulations. Yeah, they're a good team. And, and Nick also, he was obviously a speaker panelist there. You guys were talking about mining at the conference. I think you guys got a lot of questions. Actually, so we have all the videos up of the conference and that mining like little panel you guys did, I think was the most popular that in the hackathon discussion. Yeah, the most I've been got the most views. That's cool. That's crazy. I love that. Um, yeah, it, there's very few people who have like been such a figurehead in the mining pool side of things as Nick has. And I think that'll continue. Uh, we certainly innovate and try new stuff more than anybody else. So Luxor tends to to dip our toe in something and then it kind of becomes industry standard. That's historically how it's been. Excellent. Well, as we wind down here, I want to ask you two closing questions. Um, the first one is where can people find you and learn about you and communicate with you? Um, my personal Twitter at CB Spears. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's the best place to talk. Um, we have a Discord, uh, Ordinal Hub, discord.gg slash uh, Ordinal Hub. That's a decent place to, to hop in. And then I'll see you on the order cord as well. Um, those Charlie's are all great there. places. Yeah, still, still there. there. I check in, I, I dive in, say something, you know. Um, so those are all great venues. Um, and then I just plan on being at any conference in North America related to inscriptions, ordinals, and mining. And then I'll maybe at some conferences outside of North America, um, depending on schedule. Schedule and budget. Okay. And then final question for you, Charlie. Do you own an inscription that you would never sell? Yeah, I own two. Um, one, I early on inscribed my, my, my handle, CB Spears. You can try to figure out which one that is. It's pretty obvious. And then I, another one, I inscribed a nice kind of love letter to my wife. Love oh, you, Lolo stream. Yeah. So neither of those, I don't think anyone would want to buy those. Um, so those are easy ones to choose. 
I like it. I like it. That's my question is what will you inscribe? All right, Charlie, it's been great speaking with you. It's good to see you again and looking forward to hoping having you back on a podcast, having you back at a conference. Uh, Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Ragnar. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app. And follow us on Twitter at The Ord Pod. Drop us a line at podcasts at ord.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinals 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit ord.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Ordinals podcast, produced by Ord Media.